Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Today, Glenn talks about the impact Judge Eileen Cannon could have on Trump's classified documents case. So, friends, I have gotten so many questions from you all over the last couple of days about the perceived problem. It's an actual problem of Judge Aileen Cannon somehow being selected as the presiding judge in the case of United States of America versus Donald Trump. So, no, I'm not in my normal setting. I'm not in my studio. I'm up in beautiful Massachusetts visiting with my daughter and um, having about as much fun as this grandfather can have. So please forgive the backdrop, forgive the camera work, forgive the sound work, but I really wanted to try to answer the question that so many of you have. It's a question that I have about how Judge Aileen Cannon, assuming she continues to be the presiding judge in the case, will impact the Trump trials. So let's dig in, friends. Judge Aileen Cannon was confirmed as a federal judge in the Southern District of Florida after Donald Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. Indeed, she was confirmed when Trump was out on his Stop the Steal tour, filling his supporters full of lies about their vote being stolen, about their election being rigged, about their favorite president being taken from them unlawfully and unconstitutionally. Yeah, she was confirmed to a lifetime appointment on the federal bench after Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. Of course, she was a Federalist Society member. No surprise there. So friends, how did Judge Aileen Cannon first become involved in the criminal investigation of Donald Trump's crimes, crimes that we now know include espionage because he was indicted for violating a law that falls under the Espionage Act, Chapter 37 of Title 18 of the United States Code? How did she first become involved in the crime, the criminal investigation of Donald Trump for obstructing justice? by unlawfully concealing from a grand jury investigating his crimes, national defense information, top secret information? How did she first become involved in all of that? Well, when the FBI applied for a search warrant, presented evidence, information, facts to a federal judge to show that 
Crimes were being committed at Mar-a-Lago and evidence of those crimes, there was probable cause to believe, would be found at Donald Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago. The federal judge signed that warrant. FBI agents executed that warrant. In other words, they searched Mar-a-Lago. Lo and behold, after Donald Trump and his lawyers had certified, they'd returned all the classified information, more than 100 classified documents were recovered as evidence of crime, still at Mar-a-Lago, including in Donald Trump's office, including in Donald Trump's desk drawers. And Donald Trump and his lawyers were desperate to find some way to stop the Department of Justice and the FBI from investigating the crimes of Donald Trump. So they ran to Judge Aileen Cannon and they tried to convince her by filing a civil suit. They tried to convince her to put a stop to the investigation that the FBI was conducting by, you know, appointing a special master, by telling the DOJ, don't look at these documents, don't investigate the crimes of Donald Trump. Instead, give it all to a special master who can pour through it. We can have briefings, we can file legal briefs, we can have arguments. And Donald Trump, desperately wanted to stop that investigation that was ongoing against him, that was barreling down on him like a freight train. Problem is, there was really no legal authority permitting Judge Cannon to put a stop to the Department of Justice investigation into the crimes of Donald Trump. But that didn't stop Judge Cannon. No, instead what she did was she sided with Donald Trump, who, yes, had just nominated her, appointed her to a lifetime position as a federal judge. What a wonderful benefit to bestow on a person, on a lawyer. And Judge Cannon turned around, and even though the law really didn't permit it, she said, I'm going to put a stop to DOJ's investigation, the FBI's investigation concerning these classified documents that were just recovered as evidence of crime from Donald Trump. And I'm going to put a special master to oversee all of it. We're going to slow this criminal investigation train down to a crawl, maybe even a stop. Maybe we'll even force the conductor to throw it into reverse because Donald Trump was asserting all kinds of bogus privileges that might exist, like the magical unicorn privilege that might exist over these documents. There were no privileges. And so Judge Cannon sided with Donald Trump, the person who had just appointed her to the federal bench. Fortunately, the Department of Justice appealed that ruling. And it turns out Judge Cannon got it horribly wrong because a unanimous three-judge appellate court panel in the 11th Circuit Federal Court of Appeals smacked her down but good in their written opinions. They said basically she abused her discretion. You know what, friends? Judges often get it wrong, but they don't usually get it lawless. Judge Cannon got it lawless in favor of Donald Trump. And what I want to do is read just a couple of sentences from the two 11th Circuit appellate court opinions slamming Judge Cannon, saying she had no business doing what she did, putting a stop to the special master nonsense and allowing 
the FBI and DOJ criminal investigation of Donald Trump to resume regarding the classified documents the FBI recovered as evidence from Trump's property. First of all, they say, you know, it's a familiar rule that courts of equity, which is the court that Judge Cannon was sitting as in this litigation, this suit that Donald Trump filed to put a stop to the criminal investigation, it's familiar that courts of equity do not ordinarily restrain or stop criminal prosecutions. To avoid unnecessary interference with the executive branch's criminal enforcement authority, in other words, to stop judges from having the ability to interfere in an ongoing FBI and DOJ investigation, this circuit, this appellate court, has developed an exacting test for exercising jurisdiction. In other words, the appellate court has set out an exacting test for a judge to even get into this game, even have jurisdiction over something like this. Put a pin in that. This circuit has developed an exacting test for a court to exercise jurisdiction over suits like this flowing from the seizure of uh, of property or of evidence. And that test was announced in a case called Ritchie versus Smith. And then they go through the four Ritchie factors that have to be satisfied before a court is permitted to get in the game, to weigh in and potentially put a stop to an FBI, a Department of Justice, an executive branch criminal investigation. And after they set that out, this exacting test to prevent judges from interfering in DOJ and FBI investigations, here's what they concluded. They say, in sum, none of the Ritchie factors, none of the four factors that must be present before a judge gets in the game, none of the Ritchie factors favor exercising jurisdiction over this case. Consequently, the United States, meaning the Department of Justice, is substantially likely to succeed in a showing that the district court, Judge Cannon, abused her discretion in exercising jurisdiction. Like I say, friends, judges sometimes get it wrong, but they don't often get it lawless. Judge Cannon had no lawful basis to do what she did in favor of Donald Trump. Boy, that's a concern. Now, friends, against that backdrop, what do we know? Well, Judge Cannon has been randomly selected to be the presiding judge in the case of United States versus Donald Trump for espionage and obstruction of justice and false statements, sort of akin to perjury and mishandling documents, some, I think, 37 counts in all, she will now be presiding over that trial, making all of the evidentiary calls, all of the calls with respect to what evidence should be suppressed and not be allowed to go before the jury and what evidence should be allowed to go before the jury. She'll be making all the calls on what jurors are appropriate to serve on this jury because they can be fair, impartial, and base their decision only on the evidence they see introduced during the course of the trial and not on their politics or their ideology or their 
preconceived notions, their prejudices, their biases, and what jurors can't sit. So she will be overseeing and deciding the enormously consequential issue of who is the right jury? Who are the right jurors to sit in judgment of a former president, Donald Trump, down there in red Florida? So will she have an impact on the course of the trial? You bet she will all day, every day. Coming up next, given Judge Cannon's previous pro-Trump interventions, can she be fair and impartial in the upcoming hearings and trial? This is Justice Matters. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Legal scholars are saying that Judge Cannon should recuse herself due to her past controversial rulings and her appointment to the bench by Trump himself. Glenn explains there are a few ways that could happen. Now, we know there's a problem, and I'm not the only one who has spotted this problem. Y'all have spotted it. Indeed, um, Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe, whom I'm sure you all know well, a real authority on the Constitution, one of the foremost authorities. Well, Professor Tribe just said that he has serious concerns given Judge Cannon's pro-Trump interventions previously. I share Professor Tribe's concerns. We know there's a problem. What are the possible solutions? Well, the first possible solution is Judge Cannon can Sua sponte recuse herself. Sua sponte is a fancy word, fancy term that we use in the law. It means she can do it on her own. She can do it up front before anybody even asks her to. She can sua sponte on her own recuse herself and say, you know what? Given the history, given how the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals unanimously, three Republican appointed judges, by the way, unanimously indicated that she was kind of interfering in an investigation of the crimes of Donald Trump previously. And she kind of abused her discretion, did something that the law didn't permit her to do to help out Donald Trump. Given that, maybe the better part of valor is for her to remove herself from the case up front so that people can have faith and trust and confidence in the fairness of the process, the legitimacy of the process, and the reliability of the result. That would be the smart thing to do, the just and the honorable thing to do. Now, if she chooses not to sua sponte, remove herself from the case, the Department of Justice can file 
a recusal motion, seeking to have her recused, seeking to have her remove herself from the case. Hey, Judge, let us set out our concerns. Given the history here of pro-Trump interventions, as Professor Tribe called it, and we respectfully ask that this be assigned to another judge, a judge who doesn't have this um, unfortunate history in this very case. And it doesn't, you know, it can be a judge appointed by a Republican. It could even be a judge appointed by Donald Trump, though. I guess I want to observe something here, friends. You know, usually having a judge removed from a case, recusal, is tough to accomplish. You know, it's presumed that most judges can sit fairly and impartially, even when there might be some entanglement that the judge has with some aspect of the case or the witness or a prosecutor, a defense attorney, or even a defendant. However, it seems to me the first time in our nation's history that a criminal former president is going to be tried for his crimes in violation of the laws of the United States, including things like espionage, it seems like there should at least be a discussion that under those circumstances, it would make some sense not to have that judge preside over a criminal trial of the very president who appointed him or her. I think that's a discussion worth having. And it's not like that's going to impact the criminal justice system writ large because it's not like the dockets are flooded with cases against former presidents of the United States. Let's hope this is a one-off. Should be the second time we have done this because they should have prosecuted Richard Nixon for his crimes and maybe we wouldn't find ourselves in this predicament. But I think a discussion should be had about whether when a president of the United States is prosecuted and tried for his crimes, maybe it's a good idea to have a judge that was not appointed by that president preside over that case. There's no case law on any of this. So the DOJ could file a motion. We respectfully ask your honor to recuse yourself from the case and have a judge preside who was neither appointed by Donald Trump nor has this unfortunate history of pro-Trump interventions in this very matter. That makes some sense to me. And I think if DOJ files that motion, at least we will be able to air out all these issues. It will be in written pleadings. There will probably be oral arguments conducted on this issue. It makes some sense to air it out because it's too important to just ignore it or just bury it or just hope that none of this becomes a problem moving forward. And then, of course, if she refuses to remove herself, if the Department of Justice files a recusal motion, then the Department of Justice can consider appealing it up to the same 11th Circuit Court of Appeals that earlier found that she essentially abused her discretion and that she essentially was interfering in a way she had no right to in a criminal investigation of Donald Trump. Even as I say these things, friends, the need for recusal and at a minimum, the need for to litigate the recusal issue just continues to jump out at me. The reason it's so important is because people will look at every single ruling Judge Cannon makes all day, every day, while she presides over this case in the run-up to trial, resolving legal issues and motions during the trial regarding jury selection 
and resolving issues of matters of evidence when one party objects to the other party trying to introduce evidence to the sentencing decision she would hand down in the event of a conviction. They're all going to be criticized or viewed with skepticism. Why do they, why do I say that? Well, every time she makes a call in favor of Donald Trump during the course of this trial, I think people could fairly observe there she goes again with her, you know, improper pro-Trump interventions. Did we learn nothing from what the appellate court said about how she improperly intervened and abused her discretion early on? And of course, if she makes rulings against Donald Trump, people might say, yeah, well, that's because she's now trying to overcompensate and make up for being criticized by the appellate court for doing things you know, ruling in favor of Trump when she shouldn't have. It's a no-win situation. No win for the judge, no win for the perception of the fairness and the legitimacy of a trial, and it's no win for the outcome of the result being viewed as legitimate. So for every reason, I think this case would be better served if a judge presided over it who did not have an unfortunate history with this case. And because justice matters. Okay, friends, I'm going to go back to doing the grandpa thing. As always, please stay safe. Please stay tuned. And I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.